1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com
2: slash recommend today.
3: This is the only place to listen to Chicago's hometown call of Bulls playoff basketball, Sports Radio 670 The Score, and the Odyssey app.
0: Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls
3: win. Live from the Hyundai Studios, presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers, we are WSCR and HD Chicago, WBMX HD2 Chicago and Odyssey Station.
1: The score. And This game now comes to an end, partner. I love you. It's, uh, I, I appreciate you uh,
4: making time to come up to Chicago and put a headset on tonight. The last time we did it was a long, long time ago. So, uh, a pleasure for me. And likewise, Mel. Great being with you as it always is.
1: You're the best.
4: The uh, Blackhawks fall to the uh, Dallas Stars tonight. They'll be back at home for the L.A. Kings on Tuesday. Eddie Olchuk will be back for that one. But for Dale Talon, Pat Foley, hoping you enjoyed the broadcast in spite of the outcome. 6-4 Dallas.
1: So I'm not going to start talking until we hear the main melody right there. That you would be let it rude. You got a little play out, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Everybody's
2: waiting for it. It's like
1: ear candy, man. You got to get you got to get your fix of that. Like, yeah, they're your not even brain's... saying
2: anything, but we need to hear it. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> it's like your brain's sensibilities would hurt if we just like cut that off. And I started talking over the Blackhawks goal scoring. Theme song. Welcome back into Score Overnight. I'm Mark Rohde. That was Pat Foley on NBC Sports Chicago. Unfortunately, Pat Foley has had to give his famous line of hope you enjoyed the broadcast, if not the outcome, or in spite of the outcome. You'd think I'd have that down by now here in <laughs> Pat Foley's last year. It's only but, happened
2: a couple times now. Yeah.
1: The Blackhawks have lost seven in a row, ladies and gentlemen, it is their season winding down. They uh, lose to Dallas tonight, six to four. Jason Robertson, a couple of goals. Kevin Lankinen allowed five, five goals. You know what sucks with the Blackhawks, and so they're back to this thing. They're back to the Kevin Lankinen, Colin Delia rotation. When you know, la. Latin- Order had been restored to some extent in, in net for the Blackhawks this year with the signing of Mark andre Fleury, but he, of course, traded at and on the trade deadline. So now we're, it's at, like watching this and following it, it's like, oh, man, didn't we do this whole Lincoln and delia thing already? And, you know, there was a lot of hope for them. And I don't know, maybe there still is hope for Kevin Lincoln in to be a goalie, but they were... In a rebuilding year, they were very happy to bring in Mark andre Fleury to be their goalie. So me thinks that Kevin Lincoln and Colin Delia are, are not it, but they were in tonight, and that's what we deal with now, back to the, the same old stuff. But really, I mean, how angry are we going to get about a Blackhawks seven-game losing streak in a rebuilding year? I don't even know what to get mad at right now. You know, I'm frustrated that it's back to this and back to something that wasn't good for the Blackhawks in the first place. But hey, they've been pre- in, in terms of that. That's one thing the Blackhawks in their lives have been transparent about, and that this is a rebuild. A lot of other crap they have not been good transparent about. The uh, Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc did have goals in the game, and the Hawks host uh, L.A. tomorrow. And then what Patrick Foley was talking about there at the end of the game was you know working with his one of his original partners, man, Dale Talon. Who he's had multiple stints with, and Dale Talon, of course, had been the the GM of the Blackhawks for a while. He he helped to build the three title team. He drafted Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, and you know Dale Talon did a, a lot of good and some bad. He 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 drafted some of the right players, but some of the guys that he signed. Like he ran up a bill the Blackhawks couldn't pay in terms of the players. And that's why, like every single year, the Blackhawks were lobbing off players to get right within the NHL salary cap. And a lot of that had to do with Dale Talon and some of the irresponsibility. but he 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 did more good than bad with the Blackhawks as a whole. Uh, for for being one of the architects of this of that team until Stan Bowman took over, um, and then it was obviously Dale Talon bolted and or he was fired for Stan, and then Dale Talon comes back on this night to broadcast. So he was a big part of the organization, not just as a GM but also as a a broadcaster. I, I think he's probably going to go down. More known as a broadcaster, just because of all the great work that he did with Pat Foley through the years. And, um, yeah, those two are just great together. it's It's one of those, it's one of those dances, broadcast dances that just works. Like they're just so comfortable with each other. and they play off each other so well. And you know, Dale Talon is very subtle. And he's got a hell of a sense of humor, and so does Pat Foley. So it was, for many of us, it just it just hit the ears right to hear Pat Foley and Dale Talon. I recorded the game. I wasn't sure if I was going to be awake during the game, and I was like, you know what? I got to hear what these two guys sound like, just to hear the harmony that Pat Foley and Dale Talon bring. So that was pretty cool as time winds down, and we can look forward to... You know, seeing what what Pat Foley has to say in his his final game, and I gotta I gotta check and confirm when that is exactly, um, but it's it's coming soon, and I'm sure that he will say something very eloquent and maybe even get emotional. And in fact, I'd be surprised if he didn't, considering what Pat Foley has meant to the Blackhawks organization and his two stints with the team. You know, having been with them for so long. And then getting ejected for whatever reason, and then he went to the Wolves. And then when when John McDonough came, one of the many moves that McDonough made was to straighten out the broadcast and say, "Okay, enough of this crap. We're bringing back Pat Foley, and you know the rest eventually will have been history." But I just want to make sure that we mentioned that that Dale Talon was was on last night. So if, if you know if you want to hear him, I'm sure they're doing one of the the overnight late night recordings of of those guys, um, so you can, you know, hit the button and record it if you'd like. 312-644-6767 is the phone number if you want to call or text. 312-644-6767. I'm Mark Grody. It is Score Overnight. Text messages right now at the 630. Good morning, Mark Grody. Benjamin texting from Elmhurst. Well, good morning to you, Benjamin. I hope everything is great in Elmhurst. I was in the Hurst not that long ago. Matter of fact, I was born in the Elmhurst. So my parents... Um, both taught in Elmhurst at Sandberg Junior High and at uh, York High School as well. Uh, from 773, good morning, Groats. Name engraved? That's pretty cool. And Sean, quick turnaround, great job, and congratulations. Patrick in Gage Park. So, yes, yes, Sean did the hit and run this morning. I was very displeased to hear that Brennan Davis was not on the show. Oh, man, he was supposed to be on the show this morning, and he wasn't. So, um, Shawnee did that, and he's back with us for score overnight. And I was in the name and grave thing. I was in uh, normal Illinois. This weekend, getting inducted in the Illinois State Hall of Fame, and yes, I get my name engraved, and I get I get a plaque and a wall and all that kind of stuff. Not a bust or anything, you know what I'm saying? And that's so, I don't know. They might. I didn't look at it. I should have on the way out. They, I don't yeah, they you wrote. think
2: they they put a bust up while you were leaving? <laughs> And Spire. just wrote
1: just wrote all this, like, historical stuff. Like, when you walk around the city of Chicago and you see these statues of people that you don't know. Like, who's this guy? Oh, Daniel okay.
2: Burnham. Who the heck's this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. And you read about him. It's like, interesting. Okay. It doesn't really mean anything. I bet that's the way people. Let me ask you this, young Sean. Do you, uh, do you know the name Irv Cupsinett?
2: no <laughs> okay Irv Cups
1: Irv Cups was a writer uh broadcaster big time guy I think wait a minute wait you know I'm getting a mixed up I think that there's an Irv statue in the city there's also a yeah Irv Irv was like a you know a long time classic did it all sports you know was a gossip columnist everybody knew him and then there was, how about this one, Mike Royko? Does that name ring a bell to you? Mike Royko. I've definitely heard the last name before. Yeah, these, these, these guys, they, they definitely predate me as well, but I was conscious of them. I wasn't like young or old enough to be fans of them necessarily, but I definitely like Mike Royko is probably the most well known columnist the city of Chicago has ever had, news or sports. Um, and he was news, and he was a classic, and there is a, a statue of him somewhere in the city with an engraving on it. So I was just wonder when I I love it. When, oh, and then there's the Jack Brickhouse one in front of the the old you know WGN radio towers, the old Trib towers. Right. You got the Jack Brickhouse one, and I would, like when I see people that I know. Are not from this city nor from this country, and I just kind of see this look. I, I that's one of my favorite things about walking through the city. I love to to watch to stalk people, quite frankly, Sean, and and hear what they're interested in, to hear what the or see what they're interested in, like what they're talking about, because I just want to know. Like I sure. I love. The city of Chicago. So I want to know what other people are interested in, and so it's funny when I see them gather around like the Jack Brickhouse statue, like, what? Who is this guy? I mean, they they look they look kind of interested, but there's that like complex look on their face, like,
2: okay, all right, this guy was important, huh? Okay, right, (laughs) right. What's this hey
1: hey business? Oh, okay, hey hey, holy cow, and all that kind of stuff. So, and then the thing that I it's It's lesser now, but one of the most popular things to do over the last, oh, I'd say, well, five, six years, people do love to get that Trump sign in in the background of the pictures. Like for Trump Towers, you see people, whether they like them or don't like them, I think people, they're like, hey, look, it's the Trump Tower. Check it out. The big. And it is a beautiful building. It is a beautiful tower. But sometimes that name can elicit response, so people want to get their Trump Tower pictures up and take a picture with with Trump lurking in the background. Um, that's been a you know a, a newer a newer type of revelation over the last few years in the city of Chicago. But I am very observant and try to get on track with what the the people the tourists. Are into or the suburbanites, whatever the case may be, as as they walk through the the city of Chicago. Uh, but yeah, so that's the deal with the the Blackhawks. They they lose. They've lost seven in a row. But Dale Talon was definitely in effect a little bit on uh, the golf and the the way I looked at the Masters this week. And I barely watched any of it, so I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I, I can give you some great insight on what happened. However, Scotty Scheffler won and with a 10-under overall. Rory McIlroy was 7-under, three off the first place pace, so he finished in second place. Tiger Woods, that's all anybody wants to know. Tiger Woods ended up plus 13 for the tournament, and I have to say that once the drama had started to build up, that there was a possibility that Tiger Woods would play in the tournament. That's all I really was interested in. It was like back to that, you know what I mean? Like I think when Tiger was in his prime, there was a time, that was a time when that's all really, you know, there were so many eyes on golf because of that. You had your diehards, of course, but it was a small amount of people. There were so many people on board who were just interested in Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods over the last 10 years or so has been so intermittent that And there have been so many other golfers that have come into prominence, not close to where Tiger Woods is, but so many young golfers that have done some pretty cool things. And you still have some of the vets around, like Phil Mickelson and whatnot, that you kind of were like, all right. And I'm sure a lot of people got off board because Tiger, like I said, was kind of intermittent. A lot of people got off board. And, you know, but you had some, some rising stars and things like that. But when – the drama started to pop up with the potential of tiger woods playing i was like okay it is back to this this is what i am interested in i am not interested in scotty scheffler or shane lowry or cameron smith or fill in the blank i am interested In Tiger Woods and that is all that is all so when he shot a 71 the first day which I didn't watch but I was you know obsessively keeping track of it I was like all right we're in business and then he shoots a 74 the next day. I'm like, ooh, we're losing our business a little bit. And then 78's on Saturday and Sunday, and I just found the whole thing. Following it from, you know, on my phone or from a distance, I found the whole thing to be wholly interesting every time I saw Scott Scheffler in the lead. So, And I know, I know, that's like almost cliche to say because there's so many people who have – said what I just said. I I don't really care about the masters or the PGA championship or the U S open or the British open. I just care about tiger woods at least for, for one weekend. That's what it was back to for me. I only cared about tiger woods. Subsequently, on the whole, I didn't really care about the Masters, nor did I care about Scotty Shuffler winning the Masters. Here's a disingenuous congratulations, Tim. Congratulations, Scotty. Way to go. You won the Masters. 312-644-6767. Let's get to some of your calls. I haven't been hearing from you guys. 312-644-6767. Let me shut up and talk to Tom and Hoffman Estates. Tom, you're on the score, buddy.
3: Hey, Mark.
1: How are you? Great, Tommy boy. What's up with you, man? How's your weekend?
3: It was very good. I mean, uh, encouraging start, I think, for both teams in uh, Chicago. I mean, when you look at it as a whole. Uh, the yes. Cubs look, you know, the Cubs look great. Uh, what I mean by they look great is they, uh, they were uh, making the pitchers pitch to them instead of them just going up their swing. And they showed a lot of patience in all three games, Mark.
1: I agree with that, except for today to some degree. They did strike out 13 times today and only had four hits. But I completely agree with you, Tom, that this has been an encouraging, unexpected start to the season. And, yes, there is a – and the overall, you are absolutely correct. There has been a different patience, a different approach, and it, it ain't nothing – for the cubs to to beat win the corbin burns brandon woodruff games that ain't nothing right
3: well to me that was uh, came as a little bit of a surprise but that's where i really seen the patience you know and uh, it helped that we had hendricks going too
1: yeah no hendricks hendricks was good honestly it was really good to see justin you know i've been i've been rough on this pitching staff and Throwing my arms up in the air over having to, you know, depend on guys like Justin Steele, but he had a good start. All, all three of the, you know, Kyle Hendricks, Justin Steele, and Marcus Stroman all looked very good in in their starts. So it is extremely encouraging to win these games against one of the best teams in the National League Central. And you know, well, hey, day off tomorrow, and they get to play Pittsburgh, that team that doesn't care about winning.
3: You know, there was one play that I want to bring up today. Uh, Stroman showed me why he won so many golds and gloves as a a pitcher because his reflexes are out of this world. I mean, that line drive that he caught, uh, he's well aware of what's going on. I mean, the shortened spring training hurt him today, Mark. What I mean by that is that I think he could have won another inning, two innings, if we would have had a full spring training.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that I think all these guys. And thank you so much for the call, Tom. I appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of these guys. Like it's obviously very scripted right now. I mean, Marcus Stroman today, you mentioned him and the, the Cubs did lose today 5-4. To Stroman went 5 innings, allowed one run on two hits, struck out 3. He did walk three, gave up the Willie Adamas home run, but it was a success. It was a success for Marcus Stroman. was not a success for the bullpen. Jesse Chavez and, and Daniel Norris kind of broke down, but we'll, we'll get into that in, in just a little bit. 3 67-67. 6, I'm Mark Grody at a score overnight, and like I said, You never know who's out and about and might be listening, and since it is score overnight, we welcome everybody. And we got one of the most important parts of the score joining us right now. It is the radio play-by-play voice of the Chicago Bulls. I am told anyway, is this really Chuck Swirsky?
0: Yep. Hey Mark, congratulations on your Hall of Fame induction into Illinois State. I think it's fabulous.
1: Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. That means a ton, man. Where are you? What are you doing, Chuck? We we just landed from Minnesota. Oh, oh that's fantastic. Okay. So you, you got off the charter, now you're in your car and you're heading you're yep. heading home right now. I know that I know that whole trick people think that like somehow just like people are magically transported and you go home it's a long it's a long night for these for these road games and you get back and you drive around so that's awesome chuck thanks for calling man
0: well my my pleasure i'll let you get back to your callers they're much more important than me no Um, don't go anywhere yes it's 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 like 30 degrees warmer here than it was minnesota
1: oh that's nice
0: yeah, but it was a it was a great night for the Bulls. Obviously, where they played a lot of reserve players and Patrick Williams and I O had big games. And you know, in the afternoon, Bill Winnington and I took a took a walk around the uh, Target Field, the uh, ballpark where the Twins play. And you know, it's it's a terrific ballpark, by the way. Oh yeah, but, um, you know, it, yeah, you've been there, obviously. So yes. All, all in all, it was a great day.
1: Yeah, no, it was and it was it ended up being a really tight game, which made it entertaining towards the end. And I talked about Patrick Williams at the very beginning of this show, Chuck, and I know Levine and DeRozan and Vooch and Caruso were out and who knows how that affected Patrick Williams, but you know what it was? It was just good to see that. It was good to see him explode like that, and show the confidence, as you guys were talking about in the broadcast, it was very good and almost needed to see out of Patrick Williams. Do, do you agree with that, Chuck?
0: Well, absolutely. And, and you know what, Mark? I mean, going into the ball game, we knew he was going to get shots up, and he should. I mean, you know, he was a featured focal player tonight. And because of that, he went to the foul line 14 times. He shot the three. He took mid-range jumpers off the bounce, and this is the type of performance that obviously you're not going to get, you know, 35 every night. But, I mean, he showed what he's capable of doing um, when he's playing with a great deal of confidence, which he has over the last week since he's really returned from wrist surgery. And so I think it bodes well for the Bulls.
1: Yeah, totally. And and what about Io's night tonight? Hits that huge three with thirty one seconds left and we know that he's you know, people want to say he's hit the rookie wall or he's just struggling a little bit, but he had a career high tonight of twenty six, so if nothing else, you get these guys feeling confident heading into the postseason.
0: Yeah, you know what? I I mean, listen, I, I love everything about Io Dosumu. I mean he is the topic kid. That You can really say to yourself, you know what you're going to get every night because he competes hard every night and he never backs down. I mean, think about this, Mark, where every game he's going up against a, a high tier elite NBA guard. And I, 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 I love his makeup. I love the fact he's he's a Chicago Bull in his hometown. And um, the, the best is yet to come. You wait until he gets in the lab in the off season, and he's going to take a big jump next year.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to to make a big jump. I think Patrick Williams is capable of making that big jump, getting in the lab, as you said. And Chuck Swirsky, I do have to ask you, I'm not going to keep you on the phone here all night while you're driving, but I do want to ask you, what are what are your thoughts on the Bulls having to play the mighty Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs on either Saturday or Sunday in game one in Milwaukee?
0: Okay, well, the game's going to be Sunday. We don't know the time yet, Mark.
2: Oh, it the is Sunday. Okay. Sunday.
0: Yep, we know that. But here's, here's my take. Regardless if it was Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, whatever, pick one out of the hat uh, that we were you know locked in on the, over the last week or two. The truth of the matter is this is really about the Bulls and players that have had either little experience in the playoffs or none. And it's an opportunity for them to get a real taste of what this is going to be like. Not only every game, Mark, I'm talking about, every possession and so I think regardless of what happens in this series I think it's going to really help develop these players going into 22-23 season and uh, I'm really looking forward to it to see how they handle this it's going to be a challenge that the defending NBA champions they're loaded they've got one of the greatest players on the planet in Giannis And Middleton is outstanding. I mean, their whole club is physical. So I think this is a great test. And I'm very excited because what this will do for next season, in addition to garnering the experience from this year.
1: Amen, man. Yeah, as much as like there's still work to do in this postseason, it'll be interesting to see what they might add, how the further development goes with these Chicago Bulls, and they will play the Bucks as Chuck Swirsky just telling us, will go down on Sunday. Last thing, man, for you, I do want to ask you about uh, Pat Foley who is his time, as the, his long time as the Blackhawks play-by-play man coming to an end when this season ends. And he, he broadcast the game tonight with one of his classics with Dale Talon. And you, I know, are a student of the art and an appreciator of the art of play-by-play, having done it at the level that you've done it for so many years. What are your thoughts on, on Pat Foley as he winds down his career here in Chicago and with the Blackhawks?
0: Well, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He is one of the premier hockey voices of our generation. And I remember when he was hired because I was at WCFL. It was my first job, and we carried the Blackhawks on radio. And the play by play announcer, his name was Bud Kelly. And Pat replaced him. And, you know, here, Pat was a very young man at the time, came in and did a phenomenal job. And, you know, the chemistry, as you mentioned, Mark, I heard you discuss Dale Talon along with Pat. Yeah. And the chemistry between those two was fantastic. And I think all of us who relish the fact that chemistry in the booth is everything, as we saw with Dale and Eddie O, who I met, by the way, when he was 16 years old at Brother <laughs> Rice. Um, and I'm dating myself, but that's how far <laughs> we go back. But, but, I mean, Pat Foley is an iconic broadcasting figure as was lloyd pettit with the chicago blackhawks there is certain i mean think about this mark in my generation where i worked side by side with harry Carey, milo hamilton vince lloyd lou boudreaux jack brickhouse um you know wayne laramie And, you know, Jim Durham was a very close friend of mine. He actually, he and his wife, Helen, lived in my house in Wheaton when their house was being, you know, going through a rehab period with, you know, breaking down walls and whatnot. I mean, it was a classic period of time where we saw everything in this market, whether it was Joe McConnell and Brad Palmer doing various games, and whether it was, you know, White Sox baseball, when. You know, just a a plethora of great voices. So, I mean, uh, Pat Foley rings right up there on the Mount Rushmore of Chicago voices without any question.
1: I agree. You brought up the name Jim Durham, so I have to ask one more question. When Jim Durham was doing the Bulls, wasn't it a simulcast? Wasn't it on both both radio and TV similar to what Pat Foley was doing with the Blackhawks for a while?
0: Yeah. So what happened is with Jim – is that he was doing radio play-by-play in 1979-80 on WGN-TV. Bob Costas was doing Bulls TV play-by-play. The following year, Milo Hamilton, because he came in from Pittsburgh to do the Cubs, he was the TV voice on GN uh, to do the Bulls. Mm. And so Milo did the Bulls on TV along with DePaul before Jordan arrived. So wow. DePaul was the number one basketball market for college, yes. and the TV ratings on GNTV were off the market, uh, just completely crazy off the charts. So then after that happened, then Jim kind of morphed in the cast, and actually during the radio halftime, he would take calls when the Bulls were on WVON at, at oh halftime. God.
1: Wow! Yeah, that's true. And wow! So,
0: and then, and then, of course, you know, there was um, uh, Jim left after the '91 NBA Finals, and Neil Funk came in, and Jim kind of did some ESPN work, and then later joined the Dallas Mavericks, went back to ESPN, and um, you know, just was a, an unbelievable, incredible basketball announcer.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he was great. I, I I loved him. He was he was very good. That you you teach me something every time you come on the air with me, man. I had no idea that Milo Hamilton had, had done some Bulls games as well. So that that is and you said DePaul too? He did he did DePaul as yep. well? Wow. Yep. And then and then obviously so did you take the reins from Milo? Were you next on DePaul?
0: No, you know what? I did my first uh, fill in was 81 eighty one eighty two with DePaul and I did the fill-in. I did about seven to eight games every year. And then in 86, 87, I started doing DePaul. And, um, you know, I mean, DePaul was – their their program was legit top ten every oh, year. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you know, you talk about – Whether once you got past Aguirre, and then Cummings came, and then Comanji's, and Strickland, and Kevin Edwards, and Terrence Green, and I mean, it was just one recruiting class after another, boom, boom, boom. And GNTV, as the superstation mark, Mm -hmm. they were recruiting kids out of California and in New York because the California kids would get off from high school practice. They turn on the TV on the superstation, and there was a college basketball game with DePaul. So, I mean, you know, know, in... in, uh... (laughs) In in the case of DePaul, Milo was doing nine innings. Think about this, Mark. He was doing nine innings of Cubs play-by-play, six on radio, three on TV. He was the voice of not only DePaul, but also the Chicago Bulls.
1: (laughs) That is something, man. That is something. Not barely, not enough to go around for everybody back. That is, that's pretty incredible that, that he did that. And that's, that's an awesome little history lesson from, from our guy, Chuck Swirsky driving back from the, just got off the, the charter, the Minnesota charter back in town, driving home and Hey, Good for you. Hey, good for you and Bill Winington. You guys get a few days off to recharge. We keep, we talk about all the players needing rest, like Levine and DeRozan and Vooch and all these guys. Good for you guys. You get a little refresher, get to reset a little bit, then uh, make a nice, easy drive to Milwaukee on Sunday for game one, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, what, Mark, when you do something you love, I I don't look at it that way. And, and while the body does need rest, no question. And the pipes, the truth of the matter is I live for this. I am, I am so, um, you know, just absorbed with uh, the profession I'm in and the respect and humility and gratitude that, you know, it's been five years since the bulls have been in the playoffs. And so, you you know, you, you kind of have to, you know, take this and say, this is a special moment because of the front office and the coaching staff and the new players that have been, you know, peppered in to the rosters. And so I'm, I'm fired up, man. I can't, I'm, I can't wait until Sunday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know you're fired up you always are and those are two great words by the way humility and gratitude and i and i know you have it and i i try to preach that when i can as well and put together my gratitude list too and chuck i have i honestly gotta have a ton of gratitude for you calling in here on score overnight it means a lot thanks for your kind words and i appreciate you uh jumping on with us for a little while here buddy
0: well mark thank you and you're doing a great job and you know, um, I, I I knew Les for over forty years. In fact, oh man, my first, yeah, my first hey, my first ever ball game as an employee at WCFL back in the day. I sat down at the old Comiskey Park in the press box, and Les Grobstein pulled up a chair right next to me, introduced himself to me, and that's how I met Les. And it was um, August twenty eighth. 1979 and the first thing he says to me is my name's Les Grobstein, and what do you think of the Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said oh, uh, what, okay <laughs> what do i think of the Pittsburgh Pirates and i don't know if he was i don't know if he was testing me or whether okay or whether or not he wanted me to talk about, you know,
1: okay, we got Pop Starchel and we got Omar right. Marino and What about got... what about Kent the Colvey, right? <laughs> Kent the Right. You know, and, and we got Bert Kly
0: Okay, well. you know, you wanna you know, okay, I, I I can go you know, I can go roster for roster. You wanna talk Bill Madlock and Tim Foley? Bring it on. But you know, he heard he, he was he was terrific, and and uh, you know my heart goes out to his family, and I love to see all the tributes that have gone uh, from our organizations in Chicago, uh, and you know the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago having a having a day for them. Um, and Mark, I'll tell you what, um, you know, take in, take in the stride what you're doing, and it's it's great. And, you know, just um, I'm so happy for you, unfortunately, at the expense of less. But I know that Les would be very, very happy for you as well
1: yeah, no doubt. I appreciate that. That means a lot. And I as I always say, I try to do him justice. and I love that you brought him up as I tell our listeners, anybody that anybody that ever just wants to call in and talk about Les Grobstein, you know, part of continuing this show is continuing his legacy in a lot of ways. He perfected sports overnights in Chicago. Nobody could do it like him. There is, you know, we we had fun at Les's expense a lot, but I always one of the things I always said to, Chuck, was that there? There is nobody who was more equipped to speak for five hours on the radio than Les Grobstein. Heck, I'm only doing it three nights a week, and it's hard, man. You know, you know how hard solo yeah. radio is. You've done a ton of it yourself, oh. but Grobber perfected it, man. At least the overnight version.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there will there will only only be one Les Grobstein, and um, and so I think that the fact that that you're Mark Brody is great so you know keep being mark brody be you just you Amen. and you will have a you will have a tremendous journey and um you know on that note I, i'll leave you get back to your callers i'm sorry if i dominated <laughs> no no just... that wasn't my intention no nope. enjoy it and uh we'll do this again sometime
1: chuck and you keep being you because everybody loves you and our callers and our people on hold and our texters love that you have called in here and can't wait to hear you and Bill Wennington calling the Bulls in Milwaukee on Sunday. Chuck, thanks a lot. Drive safely, my friend.
0: Hi, right, Mark. Be well. Thank you.
1: Yep, absolutely. That was awesome. That was the play-by-play voice of – Chuck Swersky, play-by-play voice of the Chicago Bulls here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score got to call a Bulls win over Minnesota tonight 124 to 120. And I love talking history with Chuck because he is at the very roots of Chicago sports talk radio as well and sports as you know it here in Chicago. The way it is disseminated, you know, he was a he was a star in, you know, local you know, at WGN Radio, I used to listen to him. My parents know him and love him and all that kind of stuff. And Chuck, you know, has gone on to do even bigger things, having been a play-by-play voice in Toronto and at Michigan, at the University of Michigan, and now with the Chicago Bulls, where he does just a fantastic and very entertaining job with with Bill Wennington. So that was a blast to have Chuck on, and what, and I always make sure that we talk a little bit of DePaul because I was one of the like in the '80s, man. I was a kid and I loved those DePaul games, and I listened to a ton of it on the radio with Chuck Sworsky and I forget who, I forget who is radio partner was uh, who did the color i remember chuck i don't remember who the analyst was shame on me but we do need to take a break we're a little bit late for the break so if you are on hold and you do want to jump in here on score overnight this is a good time to do it come on in 312 644 67 is the number cubs white Sox, blackhawks bulls masters all on the table here on chicago sports radio 670 the score
3: this is sports radio 670 the score chicago's sports station It's the debut of Tanner Banks.
1: Steve strike three slider bottom of the zone and Torkelson has got to feel like he just can't catch a break right now. Well that's the second time he's been rung up. He didn't like either call this one might have just touched the bottom part of the zone but we have seen today that if it's close with two strikes you just can't afford to take them in the state of Utah. And this is clipped into McGuire's glove, strike three. So back-to-back punch-outs now, 2-2. Tanner Banks strikes out three in a row in his Major League debut. He's one of these guys, Taylor Banks, of the White Sox, that you have to root for. You're required to root for this guy because he made his Major League debut yesterday for the White Sox during a 10-1 win over the Tigers as a 30-year-old. 30-year-old rookie, Tanner Banks, doing it, man. Two innings, ended up striking out four, did allow a couple of walks, but he looked very good, very good. And when he first came out and I was watching the game and they're saying, Tanner Banks, wait a minute, where's this Tan- Tanner Banks? Hold on a second, I thought I knew all the soccer. But I was not aware of Tanner Banks. 18th round draft pick in 2013. I believe it was, 2013. So a, a good day for him. You, you never know with guys like that. Like bullpens are so fickle that will we ever see him again. So I hope that you enjoyed it and appreciate it. I When he got his first strikeout, of course, the catcher rolled the ball back to the dugout. So it's an unforgettable day for, I was going to say, young Tanner Banks, but he's older than a
2: lot of the guys
1: on that field
2: for <laughs> like I was going to say, he's uh, he's 30 years old, but he was drafted in 2014. You are right.
1: 14, okay. Mm-hmm. I was a year off in my estimation from reading the notes earlier and trying to study up on Tanner Banks. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. Oh, I, didn't know. I had anticipated <laughs> Tanner Banks today.
2: I didn't know who he was until I saw Sean Anderson tweeting something about how he was calling him Banner Tanks, and he said something about how banner tanks now has thor's hammer so i was like okay oh. i guess this guy's doing okay. well i well, you look. tell
1: sean anderson that he needs to give us this information okay i don't care where he yeah. works
2: what's he doing? come on how yeah. does he not call this yet
1: yeah yeah exactly i tried to get him on one time you know but he's too big for us now good old i love sean gosh anderson. He's, he's the goods he's we the goods. you know what?
2: honestly I, it's i'm glad i'm the only sean here now that's nice <laughs> It was weird. You know. People, yes. people still, it was funny because I, obviously I did hit and run today. They thought I was Sean Anderson for like halfway through uh, the show. Because <laughs> he did used to produce yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he went from one Sean to another Sean. Oh, uh, that's that's hilarious. Yeah, we're down to one
1: Sean. We're down to how many skis now, too? Because we ooh. don't have a Jay Zawaski, unfortunately, because he went on to bigger and better um, uh, Nick Shepkowski went on to bigger and better. So we're down a couple of those guys. Who else? What? Oh, oh, we still have a Joe Ostrowski. We have Ostrowski, who, yeah. who's doing all the betting things, but he's still still on the score about five or six times a week. So he's hanging strong, man. You 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 represent those Sean's as well as you possibly can. We appreciate it. The White Sox win today, and that was Jason Benetti on the call on NBC Sports Chicago. Cool to see him doing that work out there. Tanner Banks. Good day for Michael Kolpeck. Good day for add-on runs. Good hey, didn't even mention Tim Anderson had his season debut. He was suspended the first two games of the season from last year's altercation. Three for five. Three for five. So he was absolutely ready to go and the Cubs and Sox are both two and one to begin the season three one two 6, 67, 67. i'm mark grody it's score overnight and rich has been awaiting rich thank you for waiting you are on the score
4: yeah hey I, hey guys i'm rich two. how are you i'm doing great i got two quick comments and then i'll get into the meat of the subject first of all another congratulations for you that's uh that's very prestigious to be able to do what you've done with the hall of fame deal
1: Thank you, Rich. That means a lot, man. I, it was a great night. My parents were there, and brothers were there, and, and a couple of friends as well. And it was a—I'll um, use the the word that uh, Chuck Swirsky used. I was filled with humility and gratitude when uh, when that went down. It was it was very cool, man. Thank you for saying that, Rich. I appreciate
4: uh, it. Oh, well, the other comment was, I had to uh, chime in during hit and run when Sean was uh, was on. And,
1: uh-huh right?
4: yeah and you know the reason not I sean
1: anderson him, sean sears
4: yeah. well i knew who it was yeah
1: that's right he, right
4: he had told me he was going to be doing that gig so i said well you know what here's the deal i'm i'm as old as uh you're the the, the former O the grabber i'm 69 going on 17 but still
1: 69 <laughs> hey everybody <laughs> in this business is going on 17 so you're in the right place <laughs>
4: I think you have to have that attitude, but but you know I I said to him if he can do a doubleheader because he's got to be dead, uh, so can I. So I'm (laughs) up and you know I'm kind of a late night cat anyway. But here's what I want to get into because I think this is going to be insightful for uh, not only the callers but for the listeners who have been known to place a sports bet or two, and it's the NFL, which is really good for you. And I want to get your take on this, but. I like to do analysis, as you know, because I bet on games, and I think the data doesn't lie, but here's something that is really kind of a philosophy and a strategy that I think I like. I don't think I like. I do like it. what the Bears are doing, because I think there's two ways to go, and I think it's the teams that want to mortgage the future, like Ryan Pace did, to try to to win now. That would be the LA Rams, and looking at their model, and really some other teams, but there's a service out there that's called Power Rankings for the NFL Draft. Mm-hmm. And I know you went to the combine and you follow this. But here's something that's very, very interesting to me. The the four teams that I would lump in that are going to be in decline, that are very prominent, and I'll I'll give you their, their draft capital rank as assessed by how many picks and where they're picking and what they gave up. Well, of the 32 teams, the bottom two ranked are the Dolphins and the Rams at 32 and 31. Got Tampa Bay is at 23. And the Browns are at 26 with all the screw-ups they've had and the Deshaun Watson move. All right. Now, the bottom feeders, as we all know, always have a lot of picks and draft high. And, you, and that's the case this year as well with the Jets, Texans, Giants, Jaguars. And believe it or not, the Lions are fifth. And power rankings, so watch out for those guys. What? But here's something that
1: I never, I will never believe a preseason power ranking that has Detroit fifth.
4: Well, no, in terms of the draft capital.
1: Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. But, I, I was you know, just thinking the... of the power rankings that I like to think of. But okay, now, I got you, Rich. Go on.
4: Okay, but you know that that doesn't open any eyes. They're they're all as the marginal teams. That, you know, every year they tend, you know, they do a Cleveland Brown and screw it up. But here's something that really got my attention, which really surprised me, which tells me the front office and the general manager are doing it the right way. And I happen to think the Bears are, too. And I'll get into them in a second. But the notables that I looked up that are highly ranked for draft capital, both in numbers of picks and where they select, I'll give you five that the better should take a look at for next year. The Eagles are ranked sixth. The Eagles. They're, they're six. The Falcons are eight. This the dreaded Green Bay Pack are ten. Because mm. they got a lot for what they gave up. The Chiefs are eleven. With all they lost, they're loaded with draft capital. And the real ringer to me at twelve are the are the Baltimore Ravens. They've got tons of picks and high picks.
1: Well, look at all the picks and, that the Chiefs got out of the Tyreek Hill deal. That was just yeah. that just happened, yeah.
4: But 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 I think the thing that you need to look at is who are the teams that can put a winning product on the field and yet be in the top ranked for draft mm. capital. Right. Going down, right. Going Green
1: Bay down. And, and the Chiefs. Yeah, that that's yeah. you're right. But, that that's gonna keep the powerful even more powerful. Exactly. Yes.
4: Yeah. And I think and this isn't gonna be well liked. In L.A., Miami, Tampa, and Cleveland, but I think they're yesterday's newspaper. I think they got they did a Ryan Pace, and unless they really step it up, maybe even this year and next year, I don't see them doing anything for the next five years.
1: You talking Last about the Bears. You talk about you talk about Ryan Poles now,
4: Bears. No, no, no. I'm talking about they pulled a Ryan Pace uh, and mortgaged the future. Who did? I think the are doing it right. Now, the Bears, oh, okay. I not bring up because the Bears are like 22nd, but that's only because they only have six picks. It's not because, you know, look, uh, you know, Poles had to clean up the pace in Nagy mess. I think the Bears are doing it right. And you know what? You got to play for the long term. And I don't see a huge turnaround in the upcoming season, but I think things can only get better in the next three years. I'll give it back to you. I want to see your, your take yeah. on this.
2: Yeah,
1: thanks, Rich. I, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I look, I, I don't know if Ryan Poles is doing it right right now. And I, I also don't know if he's doing it wrong. Like, I don't think it is fair to form an opinion yet of Ryan Poles. It's really it's – really, it's almost like uh, – I think irresponsible is too strong a word, but they're just – you can start to kind of see philosophically what he is interested in doing. Obviously, Ryan Poles is interesting, interested in restructuring the offensive line. He brought in his hand pointed guy, Lucas Patrick, signs him away from Green Bay, c- proclaims him as the center. So that tells you what they think about Sam Mustafer. Sam Mustafer probably depth, and I think that's a really good depth piece to have around. We saw him go after Ryan Bates to make a contract, a restricted free agent offer, an offer sheet to Ryan Bates, which was subsequently matched by Buffalo. But you saw what he was thinking that Ryan Bates would be a nice guard for the Bears. And they allowed, and this is the one that's now, this is the only place where I am critical of Ryan Poles so far. And that is. I did not like that they allowed James Daniels to walk for a relatively low price to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think James Daniels is a player on the rise and could someday, I don't know about how many Pro Bowls, but I think he's a guy who could visit a Pro Bowl or two in his career. Just watch, having watched every snap of James Daniels up close and knowing him a little bit and knowing you know how smart he is and all of that, he's a deep thinker. as Actually, a lot of offensive linemen are, but James Daniels in particular was a very interesting guy to talk to. So that that was the only thing that I would say where I so far that has really moved the meter for me, where I've been like, huh, what you doing here? The rest of them have been fine. The signing, um, you know, uh, Justin Jones, the defensive lineman. Okay, fine. Uh, signing Alkaidin Muhammad, the defensive end. Fine. Nick Morrow, the linebacker, sounds good, pretty fast, might be able to fit in nicely in the 4-3 defense. It's cool. Byron Pringle, may, hey, bring some of that speed from Kansas City to the Bears. Cool. But he doesn't knock your socks off, you know, 500 yards receiving. Um, you know, the, the Larry Ogunjobi thing. That was one of those things where I, again, my immediate reaction was, phew, you figured it out. He, the, You had your doctors do their due diligence and they found out that Larry Ogunjobi was not healthy. He was the foot was not okay. Turn him away. How many times have we seen the Bears in the past, where as my buddy Steve Rosenblum would say, a player comes pre-injured, and th- that was, or a guy gets in as a free agent and he breaks himself, and that's what would have probably happened with Larry Ogunjobi had this staff, this regime not had to make a very difficult decision, which Ryan Poles admitted was a very difficult decision, you know, man-to-man from Ryan Poles to Larry Ogunjobi, can't use you. We're going to take away that, you know, four-year, $60 million deal because you're hurt and we're not trying to have hurt guys on our team. So, yeah, um, I I do think, to to Rich, I know that's probably a longer, more scattered answer than you were looking for, to, in summary... I think, yeah, I think that Ryan Poles is doing the right thing to break it down and rebuild it. That's the part, though, that we don't know. Uh, are these guys worth anything? Is Trevor Simeon the, the the best possible backup to Justin Fields? What do they even think about Justin Fields? These are all mysteries, and we're going to, you know, every time they hold a camp, which they will hold again in a couple of weeks out at Hallis Hall, we get to know a little bit more, and we'll keep on connecting The dots. This is Score Overnight. I'm Mark Grody, 312 644 6767. Got to take a break here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.